Hello everyone, and welcome to the show where it's all fun and games till the trauma comes out, and then it's a party. My name is Christy. And my name is Illumide. And this is the Big Empty Purse Podcast. You know, I don't own a single pair of Jordans, by the way. I mean, I don't either. Never have. I don't know, I feel like it's something that we should have. <laughs> Who do you mean we? <laughs> mm, that's a good point. That's a very good point. So Illumide, what have you been up to since the last episode? Not much, actually. I have done almost nothing. I took a weekend trip to San Francisco. Oh, I forgot about this. I got there. (laughs) Okay, I'm about to go on a rant now. I forgot all about this. It's almost like it was a trauma and I just blocked it out of my memory. (laughs) Not familiar with that at all. (laughs) (laughs) I booked an Airbnb in Oakland and whatever. I get there and I'm trying to find an apartment and I can't get in. And the host is not responding. This is like 10.30 p.m. And I'm like, all right, that's just my fucking luck. So I call Airbnb and they're like, oh, we'll see what we can do. We'll try to contact the host. I'm like, if the host is not responding to me, you think they're going to respond to you? They're like, give us 30 minutes. I'm like, 30 minutes? So you want me to just sit out here for 30 minutes? The first agent comes, leaves, doesn't help. Second call again, get another person on. Third person gets on the phone. Like They're like, oh, we're going to wait 30 minutes. like, look two agents before you have tried this 30 minute book now it's like an hour <laughs> after I got there. like you're not gonna have any luck let me just tell you what's the next step on the agenda it's like oh we still have to allow 30 minutes and then before those 30 minutes are up she sends me a message and she's like actually my shift is up goodbye <laughs> <laughs> i was like all right oh, all right eventually i was just like fine <laughs> i pull out my phone i just booked the nearest hotel that i can find it's like 30 minutes away. So, of course, I drive over there. I just check in. Now, of course, it's ridiculously expensive. More expensive than this yeah. Airbnb. Then I got there and I was just like, okay, fine. So, I just drove around. I didn't do anything. I just slept the whole time. It was a weekend of just me <laughs> relaxing in this hotel room. And after my time was up, I got my bags and I got on the plane and came back home. So, that was that. So, why did you do that in San Francisco instead of like... At home. <laughs> <laughs> you know... That's a good question. That's what my sister says, too. I'm like, you get cabin fever. You look at the same four walls every fucking day. Just a change of scenery. And also, I genuinely thought I was going to get there. And there was a, a friend I had made recently who lives there. And mm-hmm. I was like, you know what? Even if I don't sleep the whole weekend, we'll probably go out to get drinks. We'll go out to get dinner. We'll go out to museums, some other bullshit. And this is what, like, this is why I don't make new friends. This is precisely why. <laughs> Another tangent. This person, I had let them know, like, hey, I'm actually going to be in San Francisco at this date. It'll be nice for us to meet. If not, if you're busy and not going to be in town, that's fine, too. I'm, I'm already going on this trip regardless. So I'm just letting you know because I know mm-hmm. you live there. And then we can... They're like, fine. And then like the week, like four or five days before, actually, yeah, three to four days before I got there, they sent me a message saying, hey, I remember you're coming this weekend. We'd love to hang out. Yeah, yeah. I'm like, oh, perfect. You remembered. Well, I'm going to be there at this time on Friday night. And I'll be there until this time on Sunday. And I know I'm the one on holiday. You probably have your regular life going on. So what I'll do is, now that I've told you my availability, you let me know which pockets of time work for you. And we can meet for dinner. We can meet for drinks. We can meet for if it's in the morning. We do, like, it's around brunch time. We can do brunch. Like, all these options. So you just let mm-hmm. me know what time works. And they're like, okay. Friday, I got in, sent them a message saying, hey, I just arrived. I had a little issue with my fucking Airbnb. But I'm already checking to a hotel. <laughs> this is where the hotel is. It's not in Oakland, but it's around this place. Da, 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 da. No response. I get a message at 2 a.m. Okay. saying, hey, I cleaned my apartment. I got home after work and da, 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 da. But like, and tomorrow, like, I'm going to Napa t- for wine tasting in the evening. So maybe in the morning. I was like, yo, I already told you. You let me know what works for you. Did not hear back from this person at 3 p.m. You Jeez. know what I did? I pulled out my phone, blocked, deleted that contact. <laughs> this is no, like, this is why I don't make new friends. Do you understand what I'm saying? You get it? You get it. I'm blocking this person. I mean, I don't get the blocking. I just block like, and delete. It's just block and delete. Block and delete. Because here, here's, here's my thought process. You're not a friend that I've had for 10 years. A friend that I've had for 10 years, and we've had several interactions, and this is the one time that they flake. Chances are something really bad happened. Mm-hmm. Or they couldn't make it, or like, there's, you know what I mean? But if this yeah. is the first time I'm in your city, day one... Don't respond until 2 a.m. Day two, either genuinely you forgot or, or like your life just got out of control. If your life is that messy, I don't need you in my life. 
Like, what kind? Of, <laughs> what good are you? And it's not the case where you're doing me any favor, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, <laughs> the fuck, block and delete, block and delete. It's very simple. I don't. I don't make new friends. I don't need any new friends. Like, if you're gonna, <laughs> if this is the bullshit that you're on, just stay over there. But anyway, <laughs> that was the other thing. But no, no, no. I, I anticipated that I would just go out for drinks, dinner. And, just hang around and do and when i got there i was like you know what after finding the airbnb sitting in the car for like two hours until like three hours actually maybe even four until i was able to (laughs) book a hotel and get somewhere i was like this whole weekend is just gonna be rest i don't have time to be jumping up and down and they gave me oh my god i forgot how big those camrys are (laughs) the rental place gave me one it was like a boat it was like a fucking boat (laughs) i the steering was like this wide it took like all my might anyway the point is, um, it was a relaxing <laughs> trip, and that was nice. And then I guess uh, to all the mothers, uh, happy Mother's Day, because this weekend was Mother's Day or whatever. Yeah. So far, I haven't consumed any content. The only bullshit that I've done is, you know those horrible DC animated movies? I've been blowing through those, just watching. They all suck. They're all really <laughs> bad. Some of them are good, but most of them are not. I'm watching. And like, it's not the case that it's not good, because the animation kind of makes sense. But the way they write the dialogue, like it's almost like they took those chat bubbles that they have in the comic strips and just made that directly into dialogue if that makes sense mm. it's yeah. it's very basic and primitive even mm. juvenile <laughs> anyway i've been watching those so that says something about me that's what i've been up to not much how have you been since last episode what have you been up to pretty good actually been doing all kinds of it. miscellaneous fun things Life is not trying me quite as hard. I, I won't say it's not. In fact, it, it, I will tell you of one instance in which it tried me extremely fucking hard <laughs> in a moment. But mostly things have been good. And since the last episode, a miracle occurred. Literally it, a witness to a miracle, which is the yellow line of the metro reopened oh. on time, exactly according to schedule. In September, they closed it and they said it will reopen in May. And May 8th, there it was. I truly did not think it was possible. Like, I literally did not think such a thing. I've never heard of a construction project being on time, much less metro construction. Metro is like the Silver Line extension took like years longer, like like four or five years longer. And like the Purple Line has been a, like supposedly a thing for like years more than that. So like the Yellow Line was my main way into DC and my main way to work. And they closed it in September and said nine months. And I was emotionally planning for like two years. Whoever got that contract, that person is getting the next one. Yeah. The new head of Wamada is actually doing, dare I say, a good job. I mean, he inherited a shit show. The last, <laughs> I mean, the last head was just, was so, so bad. I can get into DC in on a seven minute metro ride again, instead of the like 20 minute blue line ride way the fuck out and all the way back. We'd love to see it. So that was sh- a shocking bright spot. But yeah, what else have I done? Um, I went to a women's pro soccer game that was really random, but fun. Mm. (laughs) The Washington Spirit. I don't really know how soccer works. I was having to have the rules explained live, but it was fun. I sat outside. I drank hard cider. I like it was good vibes. I love live sports because I don't have to pay attention. It's just like I'm just there for vibes. What else did we do? Oh, um, for Christmas, uh, me and uh, our friend Regina got my husband a gift to uh, like an experience gift to fly a plane oh that's cool yeah which is something he's always wanted to do like on on his bucket list is to actually get his pilot's license so i i already knew i was like kiss kiss my money goodbye now once he gets a taste for it he's gonna want to do actual flight lessons but (laughs) but he was so happy it was so precious and it was like really fun so like both me and our friend got to ride along in the plane like it was very fun he literally like controlled it in the air it's a uh, it's pretty uh amazing how uh how little instruction they give you before being like here's the controls of the plane <laughs> i love that i really love that huh that's a lot of fun yeah like how much time cool. in the air are you allocated to control this whole thing not long the whole flight from like takeoff to landing was about half an hour but oh, not an insignificant yeah. amount of time and you land yeah. at the same place you take off mm-hmm. oh yeah. that's oh wow i didn't know about this this is so much fun yeah it was very fun. It was very, very fun. Work. What kind of plane was it? <laughs> oh, God. Was it like a, a four or five seater? It was a four seater, yeah. So okay. a little tiny plane. You know what, though? Tell your husband, if he ever figures out the whole, like, um, pilot lesson thing, thingy, thingy, he's just add me as a plus one. Because I would also, not because I need this skill for anything in my life, but <laughs> just because I think it'll also be fun and I want to go. So if he figures out the whole setup, let me know. Thank you. I will. 
And I think he will. I think he's serious about it. I mean, he's he's played flight simulators for ages. He's got like I wish I could I wish I could show the listeners slash you without toting it all. He's got like whole things that attach to his desk that are like like mimic plane controls. Oh, wow. He's got pedals. He's he, like he's very serious about it. I love that. Yes. Goodbye, however many thousands of dollars that is. But as promised, though, the time in between episodes was not without its trials. Just the trials were all packed into a single day of fuckery. I recognize that I set myself up for failure by doing this at all, but we tried to go backpacking mm. out in West Virginia. The forecast called for light rain tapering off through the afternoon. So we were like, that's okay. We got covers for our packs. We've got ponchos. We'll walk through the rain for a little bit. It'll be fine. We get there. It's been like lightly raining on the car. But, like, no sooner do we get out of the car to start putting all our gear on, it starts pouring. Oh. Absolutely pouring. We're rushing to put our covers on our packs. We're rushing to put the ponchos on. And we're like, wow, well, strong spurt of rain. But, like, it's supposed to taper off. It didn't? Listeners, it did not take off. Oh. <laughs> it did not taper off. <laughs> it did not. We just walked in the pouring rain for a few hours. It stopped for maybe 10 minutes, and we ate an extremely fast lunch. And it just started pouring again. again. We had to rush to put everything on. The other thing, too, is we have no service. So we have no way of checking, like, has the forecast changed and by how much? So we're still like, okay, but everything said it's supposed to taper off. So, like, this is more rain than we expected. But, like, it'll taper off. It'll taper off. We get lost. We get off the trail. So with all of these backpacking camping things, I'm just fucking along for the ride. Like, this is not my passion. My husband and our other friend that we were there with, they love it. They planned the routes. They're navigating. And suddenly I'm just like tooling along behind them. And they're like, this is not the path. Mm. We're suddenly like bushwhacking through stuff. And he's like, my husband's got the GPS out. And it's saying we're going in like these crazy loops because it's just glitching. And I'm like, great, great. So, okay, we're in a horror survival movie now. Thank you very much. (laughs) I I really appreciate it. In the pouring rain. So like... We're just like going along and it's like clearly not letting up. And at one point it just goes, it goes from pouring rain to like torrential rain. Like absolutely some of the worst rain I have ever been out in. Yikes. We're soaked, like absolutely soaked, ponchos be damned. And John finally is like, hey, so maybe we should just turn around and go home. (laughs) But our friend, our friend we were with was like very determined. Like John was like, yeah, my boots are full of water. She was like, mine are too, but we can do it. Like, let's just keep going and we'll, we'll figure it out. In for a penny, in for a pound. If you've struggled through three hours, you might have a see through my boy. Yeah, she was, she was so determined. She was like, it's fine. Like we'll, we'll hold up a poncho and we'll, we'll set a, I can definitely set a fire even though the wood is all wet. I'm just sitting there and like John can see on my face. I'm like, I was barely in for this plan to begin with please take me home. <laughs> but, but I'm trying not to say anything. I'm like, maybe it'll be fine. Maybe it'll be fine. And John's just like trying to like think through all of it. And he's like, well, well, let's see if this happens. And like the rain goes on for this long then this and this and this while we're standing there in the, in the absolute, in the downpour, absolute downpour. Right. <laughs> we're just standing there in boots full of water. And finally we were like, okay, we're calling it. Which, as it turns out, we got home later and, like, a bunch of our gear was wet and, like, it apparently did not stop raining. So, like, it was, this was the right mm, call. But right. standing there, like, I had to be the one who was like, guys, please take me home. I'm not having a good time. I want to be dry and warm again. Please. Take me home. <laughs> so we turn around just to, like, hike back. Mind you, it was, like, a, was supposed to be three, but ended up being four-hour drive each way. So we're... Oh. <laughs> literally just hiking back to do another four-hour drive but the hike back very much vindicated our decision um we had to do all these stream crossings that on the way there were fine and on the way back were several inches higher with a much faster current and the trail was washed away in places um ooh, our friend regina almost put her foot in some water with not one but two snakes that we could see in it okay snakes see Mm-mm. Up until this point of your story, I was like, damn, that sucks. Now I'm like, you better fuck out of there fast. <laughs> <laughs> Truly, honestly. And then like the last half hour of the of the hike back, it stops raining entirely. And I can see in like in John and Regina's faces, they're like, oh, did we make the wrong call? Is it going to be fine after all of that? We get to the car again. and take, yeah. take off the ponchos and covers to start changing into dry clothes. And it starts pouring again. That's how the thing goes. I have a question. Was anybody else out there that day besides you guys? There were people who were who we saw hiking out as we were hiking in. Oh, so they probably knew something that you didn't. Yeah, they yeah. must have. And they didn't yep. say shit to you? 
one of them said good luck, which I thought was just sort of an offhand comment, but maybe that was more targeted. (laughs) That was a pointed good luck. (laughs) Very pointed. Good luck. Oh, man, that sucks. Yikes. I'm glad you made it back safely. I even consumed content this week. Oh, I went and saw the movie Evil Dead Rise. Why does that sound familiar? Is it a Uh, sequel or something? It's a one of one of many sequels in the ah. Evil Dead franchise. Oh, this yes. okay. it is a franchise. Sorry, stupid question. Yeah. Carry on. No, no, it's it's not like the originals. I think were in the eighties. It gave me everything I was hoping for from an Evil Dead horror movie, which is like actually scary but also campy. Mm. I don't. You would hate it. You don't like horror movies. There were tons of jump scares. This is not even remotely aimed at you. Because I was gonna say if there's a little camp in there, I might risk it. But thank you for warning me. I will not. In this case, I just won't. <laughs> you might like the old Evil Dead movies because they're. More campy and the special effects are not as good. <laughs> mm, right. They're very right. campy, but now the special effects are good enough and like, you know, horror movies are a little more serious now, so. Have you realized that the last two times we played trivia, we got all the questions right? We did. Two we weeks did. in a row. And I'm hoping we can do three for three. So let's do it, shall we? We shall. Trivia question number one. Which country has the longest coastline? Hmm. We're not off to a great start. Yeah. <laughs> Not geography. It has to be one of them big-ass countries. If it's not Russia, it's China. Actually, Maybe. South Africa is... Yeah. Wait, the entire South Africa bend is coast. Yeah, I'm wondering if it's one of the, like, really squiggly countries or, like... Because, like, there's obviously, like, the big countries. Like, actually, the, like, the U.S. maybe even has a lot. Or even Canada? I wonder if it's Canada. I feel like Canada oh. has a bunch of... Oh. Like... Oh. Um, hmm. Or maybe it is Russia, because that's up by the, like, Arctic, too. Because, like, I also think of some, like, like, I know, like, Italy sticks out really far, but I don't think it's... Oh, yeah, just by perimeter, I don't think Italy would take that. But it could be Italy, who knows. But I know for a fact, like, U.S. has a whole coast on one side that's... Actually, on both sides, I guess on the left and the right side. It's just that it's bound up and down by Canada and Mexico. But the U.S. has pretty big coasts. Russia must, too. I actually don't remember what Russia looks like off the top of my head. I know South Africa is, like... A whole bend that all of it is coast mm-hmm. or like chile too on like south america is is like really long brazil also has it's the end of that point that has a whole bunch of coastline on there too but mm-hmm. of all those which is the biggest i don't remember what china looks like is china bound by anything china i think like china definitely has some but i think on like three-ish sides it's yeah i think it had i think like three of the four like obviously it's not a perfect rectangle but it's hmm. somewhat u.s seems like it's hmm. it's too straightforward to be the right answer so I'm leaning towards something like Canada or Russia. I am too. If it's any of the countries we've named. <laughs> we will take the point. <laughs> when I tell you, I told John last after last week's episode, I was like, two weeks in a row, we've gotten all three trivia questions right. And he's like, oh, what were the questions? And I told him the questions and our answers. And he was like, you guys have a very liberal interpretation of getting a trivia question right. <laughs> and it's going to stay that way because we are getting <laughs> we are getting this one right. Yes. Okay. So we're saying like top guesses like Canada, Russia. But really if we any of those we've discussed. Can you imagine if it's not any of the ones we've discussed? Like if I'm going to be mad. All right. Which country has the longest coastline? The answer is Canada. Hey, we got yes. it right. We got it right. We got it right. Woo. right look at that. It was even one of the like more real answers. Yeah, it was one of the ones that we really thought would be the one. Yeah, I'm so, look at us go. Geography can't stop us. <laughs> no, it won't. <laughs> I mean, it often does, but this time it Not didn't. This time. Never this time. <laughs> All right, trivia question number two. How many legs does a butterfly have? Help. <laughs> if it's not geography that'll get us, it's anatomy. Yeah. <laughs> I honestly don't know. Okay, I have a stupid question. Probably not. <laughs> Well, it might be, I guess. Moths come <laughs> from caterpillars. Butterflies come from... Also caterpillars. See, now that is some bullshit. <laughs> that right there, by itself, is some bullshit. Because I don't know the difference no. between a caterpillar... So, if a caterpillar becomes a moth, right, does it keep all its legs? No. See? so caterpillars have, like, a bunch of legs. Yeah. So, that's my point. When it transitions... <laughs> Remember that Jasmine Masters um, episode of um, Drag Race when she has this tube and she drops the tube on the runway she says i'm like a caterpillar who comes out of a cocoon and now i'm a butterfly and it's this horrendous drag anyway (laughs) i don't understand the life cycle i don't know when they lose legs how many legs they lose 
so this is a question that I don't even have a frame of reference for. <laughs> From what I understand, I like I only know a little bit, and what I know is very alarming, which is that they go in the cocoon and essentially just like fully dissolve into like n- like absolutely formless goo, and then just reform into is... a butterfly or a moth. I don't I don't like to think about it too much. It really wigs me out. Somebody had this thing on TikTok. I don't. Know, I guess it's been a while now. They're like. What if the reason we don't acknowledge or recognize other aliens is because we might have been aliens at some point? <laughs> Which, honestly speaking, do we have any way to really rule that out? Because the best we can say is we are related to other apes. That's the best we can say. But what if we just invaded this planet and we just stayed here? Would we know? Would we know? <laughs> but on this question, though, I have to guess something. So I'm going to say less than 20 legs, <laughs> ideally under 10, but I can't say that for sure. So somewhere around 20 or less or fewer. Wait, have you seen a butterfly? 20 legs? What? That's too many? Yes. <laughs> what? Wait, Christy, what if, say for instance, there are more than two appendages or whatever, but only two of them are referred to as quote unquote legs. And the rest of them are just referring to something else. That is the kind of bullshit I'm waiting for. I can guarantee that it's under 20. Good. Okay. <laughs> but really, have you seen a butterfly? I've seen them. I've not caught one to, ca- to count the legs. Actually, I think I have caught a butterfly before, but I've not paid it. Usually the pattern oh, yeah. on the wings that everybody cares about, well, nobody cares about the legs. Yeah, it's true. It's true. They're not that important. I'm going to guess six. I feel like a lot of insects have six and then spiders have eight. But, I mean, we're, we're, we're going to get it right anyway with, with less than 20. So I'm just yes. putting out there that I'm guessing six. All right. How many legs does a butterfly have? The answer is six. Ah, look ah. at that. We even got it right. Wonderful. <laughs> Properly. I'm just imagining a 20-legged butterfly. And I don't like it. It's alarming. That is a bad visual. Wait, how many, how many legs do caterpillars have? Aren't they, like, in the tens or hundreds? Maybe, actually. That's the reason why I said 20, because I'm like, if it forms from a caterpillar, I didn't realize it. I mean, you said it dissolved completely, but... Wait a minute. Caterpillars... Only have six legs? Okay, three pairs of legs huh. in the front, four in the middle, and one at the back. Oh, yeah. Here. Oh, here's the bullshit we were looking for. Almost all caterpillars have two types of legs. True legs and pro legs. So they always have six, like, real legs. And then multiple, like, little stumpy legs. Mm. That's some bullshit. Okay. Well, now I know. Because they're also millipedes or centipedes. They all crawl, and they have more than two legs, and they are all very annoying to look at. Oh, yes. I don't love any of them. Let's fuck around and get the third question right. Trivia question number three. In what year were the first Air Jordan sneakers released? Hmm. The year 1984 feels spicy to me. Maybe 1989. Maybe 1988. <laughs> Who knows? But I'm, I'm skewing towards 80s, not 90s, but it could be the mm. 90s. Very much in the 90s, because I feel like around the 90s, Michael Jordan was already winding down. Was he? What, wasn't he? I have no idea. I have no clue. <laughs> I really, I truly don't know. <laughs> I don't know. I feel like he, he had already established legend status by 90s. So he must have been playing mm. before then. Yeah. Maybe. I don't know. My only reference is like... Space Jam? Space Jam, yeah. <laughs> 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 and I can't remember how old I was when Space Jam came out. If you take 90s, I'll take 80s. It's We <laughs> one has to be right. Yeah. And I said 84, 88, or 89, so... That works. I'm going to pick... 92 because it's the year i was born and 95 because it's in the middle there we go we have options okay in what year were the first air jordan sneakers released you said it right out 1984 see i am so happy (laughs) we're taking this point because i I was like 84 sounds spicy to me for some reason so that's the gang gang yes why do i know this absolutely i don't know (laughs) yeah all right shout out to jordan that's another week of three out of three it is what is (laughs) happening (laughs) I don't know. <laughs> Look at us knowing things. Even when we don't know, we know things. <laughs> I love this for us. Amazing. Wow. You know, I don't own a single pair of Jordans, by the way. I mean, I don't either. I okay. never have. I don't know. <laughs> I feel like it's something that we should have. I don't know. What do you mean we? Mm, that's a good point. That's a very good point. I feel like a lot of millennials who venture into the sneaker realm, Jordans mm-hmm. are a big thing. Now, let's put a layer on that and be like black people. But also, like, Jordans is a... Like, almost like how most people will have one pair of Yeezys. Which, by the way, I don't have a pair of Yeezys either. Nor do I. Unrelated. Because I did spring cleaning, I think now I can say with my full chest, I have less than eight pairs of shoes. Wow. I got rid of everything. There are some heels I've had that I haven't worn in a while. I got rid of every single one of them. So, like, I have maybe four or five pairs of heels and, like, three sneakers now. And that's it. Oh, wow. Yeah, I got rid of everything. So now that means I have more room to buy more shit. 
So, the topic we'll be discussing today is boundaries. What a topic. Lots to discuss here, but the book report first. So, boundaries, and we're talking about, like, personal boundaries here, are guidelines, limits, and rules we set for ourselves within our relationships. They can be personal relationships, professional relationships, but basically they define what is and is not acceptable for you, and they're ways of protecting things like our time, our space, our body, our emotions, our energy, etc. And a way that I've had boundaries framed for me that makes a lot of sense is that boundaries govern your behavior. So they set these limits and rules, but it's things that you have control over, Mm -hmm. not things that you put on other people. So saying like, you can't treat me this way isn't a boundary because you can't actually control how that person treats you. The boundary is, if you treat me this way, I will leave or I will not talk to you because that's in your control. So like, that's, that's cleared up for me, like what a boundary is. As you can probably tell from the way I'm talking about it, some therapists of mine have heard about the boundaries. (laughs) (laughs) The boundaries. (laughs) The boundaries. But let's start off with what are some boundaries you have that are important to you? Time. I think we've talked about this before. (laughs) I don't like, if anybody's going to waste my time, it better be me and me alone. I don't accept anybody else wasting my time. There's no reason for it. I don't know how to say, besides time, like personal respect, like respect, respect is a terrible word to use here, but (laughs) people in general tend to, in the name of humor, they will take jabs that are either in bad faith or bad context. And you're just like, like, don't Mm. you dare. So I don't, respect is not the right word, but I feel like some people tend to come out of pocket. Like coming out of pocket can be funny, which I, I probably have just really upset a lot of people by saying some dumb shit. But if you come out of pocket and you are aware enough to know that it is out of pocket, but you've gauged the reward of how funny that joke can be, I will let it go, especially if the joke is really funny. But if the joke is not funny and you are just rude, oh, no, no, no. I will tell you right away that that is not acceptable. Everybody has that kind of friend where they just seem to be users and they don't just only do it to you. They do it to all their other friends, quote unquote friends. And everybody puts up with it, and I've never been one to understand why. But if somebody does that to me, you have about one and a half tries. You do it that many times, you got to go. And I'm quick with it, too. I don't double back. How about you? (laughs) (laughs) Let's see. So I'm better. I mean, I'm better at, we'll get into this, but I'm better at boundaries now than I have been in a long time. But I find it easier to set boundaries in my professional life and, like, take a very hard line on a lot of those boundaries because... I've worked the job that's way too many hours. I've been, yeah, I'm not doing, grad school fucking traumatized me and I'm not going to do it anymore. (laughs) So I have very strict boundaries around these are the hours I work. When I'm done with those hours, I am turning off my phone. I'm turning off my computer and you will not be able to contact me until it is my work hours again. I don't care what happens. Now I'm sometimes bad about working a little too late, but like, as far as I'm concerned, like if anyone came at me with anything of like, oh, you didn't respond like that. No, that was not in my work hours. You didn't get it done. Okay. Well, I didn't have enough work hours to do it. I'm very hard line mm-hmm. on my work hours now. Just like a lot of work-life balance stuff is really important to me. And a lot of like ways that people treat me and speak to me in the office. I've been, I don't, I, I don't abide it anymore. I truly don't. You know, there's the person in the office who just everyone dislikes. Yes. <laughs> every, every person dislikes them. It's like, how do you not know? How do you not have any desire to to not be that person anymore? They came at me with some bullshit of like, I told them I needed two weeks for something. And they were like, well, why can't this be faster? And why can't you prioritize it over this? And why not this and this and this? And I was just like, look, your stuff is not any more important than anyone else. If you need, if you feel like I need to change my priorities, you need to talk to my boss. And this person is like, oh, well, uh, I'm just trying to learn and, and understand what you're doing. I was like, then don't come to me from a place of telling me it's already wrong and thinking you're more important. Fuck off. Like... <laughs> Mm-hmm. <laughs> and they apologize. I'm I'm done. I'm over fucking with any of that stuff at work. Work boundaries are a whole different ballgame, though. <laughs> yeah, I'm 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 making myself look good here because I'm bad about setting personal boundaries. <laughs> yeah. You know, the, like, let me double back for a second. I feel like work boundaries in smaller. Now, I'm not putting anybody on blast, but <laughs> a lot of these smaller commercial entities are egregious with crossing some of those boundaries mm-hmm. they will be wildin and i think a lot of people because they're afraid of losing their job won't enforce those boundaries mm-hmm. yeah and i think it takes a kind of recklessness for you to be like you know what i don't have the time for this bullshit don't play me i'm tired 
But no, you have to be in a secure enough place to, like, with a lot of boundaries, and we'll get into the trauma of this later, but you have to be in a place where, like, you actually can enforce boundaries. Like, you can set boundaries all day, but, like, mm-hmm. actually being in a place where you're, like, have the, the position to enforce a boundary. Yeah. Yeah. Don't always have that. Um, yeah, I've, I've specifically, like, I have that in my current job, and I'm not going to take a job where I don't have that. Because you're right, especially, like, small places, like, they're just like, oh, all hands on deck, and, like, we need everyone, and you can't, like, no. No. And my thing is always, if you have the manpower to get it done faster, that is perfectly acceptable. But the fact that you don't, (laughs) your expectations are not reasonable. In fact, the timeline I Mm -hmm. gave you is me being generous and providing some kind of unreasonable work output for me to even reach that. And then you then will turn around and tell me that that could even be faster. My response is always, would you like to do some of it with me? <laughs> and the answer is always, oh, you know, I got, I got, okay, well, if you have all those other things going on, then so do I. So this is the pace it's going to take. No, work boundaries right now, have, like when I tell you, it can cause you to seem like an asshole, especially in a mm-hmm. place where most other people don't enforce those work boundaries. If you are one yeah. of the few who enforce it, you just look like the asshole yeah it's a very tricky spot to be in but you do the dance and you see what happens although anyway. i love to see my my i don't have a lot of them but my gen z co-workers they don't give a fuck they'll be like this is the time i leave bye everybody they just get up and walk <laughs> whenever i see it happen christy i'm hailing and hollering because it gives me so much life these people christy mental health day they'll tell you oh i'm taking off x day and you know like somebody could in passing ask them even their own bosses like oh are you going away on holiday or is it a whatever they're like oh no just a mental health day (laughs) (laughs) they're like i'm just gonna sit at home and do nothing i just don't want to be here with you lot (laughs) it sends me every time but i'm so happy to see it and then like in my personal life i think the two big things that i will really that really like determine whether or not i will like continue a like personal relationship with someone is kindness and communication things happen like circumstances change misunderstandings but like there's no reason to be unkind through any of it like if you can't just treat me with kindness through whatever thing then i don't need you in my life people who are willing to like hear and like process my boundaries and who are willing to communicate their own boundaries there's nothing more irritating than like you cross someone's boundary but you didn't know it was there and they're mad at you for crossing a boundary that they didn't communicate to you Mm. i don't have i don't have time for it (laughs) no I straddle that fence. I straddle that fence. I don't know how I manage it. Because let me tell you something. I feel as though if you are building a relationship with someone, you have to be very cognizant and very observant of what could potentially be their boundaries. And you have to respect mm-hmm. it even before they tell you it's there, if that makes sense. So yeah. if I'm getting to know someone, I don't want to have to feel the need to spell out every single boundary, especially something that I think is pretty goddamn fucking obvious. Like, say for instance, that friend yeah. I just talked about from San Francisco, there's no need for me to explain to you why I'm going to block and delete you. To me, it's a moot yeah. point. So what? I'll then yeah. I'll then sit down and write a whole paragraph as to, you know, I expected that uh, when I gave you X amount of times to agree to a plan and you didn't, and then you would not respond until hours where you knew for a fact the plan could not be made. Like I know where this is going. What's going to end up happening is going to be the eleventh hour right before I get on a plane. They're going to be like, "Oh, are you still in town? Let's me." <laughs> no. I know where this is going and it's not the case where this interaction or friendship or whatever has any merit as of this moment and if like i mm-hmm. i'm really good at pattern recognition i can predict something falling down the tree from a mile away and if <laughs> i'm wrong it has to be something drastically changed if this <laughs> is a pattern like what i do expect and i have here's the thing i've made friends where literally uh, one of my nigerian friends Shinedu, i met him very similar to the way i met this friend i met him on the dance floor I realize he's Nigerian. He realized I'm Nigerian. He goes, look, I've been looking for a Nigerian to be friends with for the longest time. And he just hasn't found many because I think he was born and raised here. So I was like, yo, I'm looking for Nigerians too. So let's hang out. And I was like, you know what? Let's do brunch tomorrow at this time and this place. Christy, you won't believe it. This boy was there 10 minutes before I got there. And I was there on time because I didn't want him to think I was the flaky ass friend. Yeah. And consistently, when I hang out with this person, we update each other. If they're going to be late, they'll let me know they're doing this. This is what they're doing. This is when they're and I respect that. I respect mm-hmm. that. And it's not the case where I'm the one who always takes the initiative to plan a hangout. If I plan this mm-hmm. one, they'll take the initiative to plan the next one and back and forth. So yeah. if I have that, that's what I mean. I don't make any new friends. If I have this <laughs> caliber of friends in my life, what do I need with 
the one that's not going to respond until 2 a.m. after. Like, yeah. It's not the case where, which this has happened before. One of my roommates in college, I tell you about this motherfucker. I'm not even going to bother saying his name, this idiot. <laughs> Back then, I used to go to Boston more frequently. I must have told the story mm-hmm. before. And every time I'd go, I'd be like, hey, I'm going to be in your city. Let's catch up, have a coffee, whatever, whatever, because I thought we were friends. And around like the fourth <laughs> or fifth time I was going, I was like, hey, I'm going to be in your city. His response to me was, oh, I can't host you. <laughs> now, you know me. If I tell you I'm going to be in your city, you need to believe that if I'm coming to your city, it's not because like, I will do everything with my power so that nobody has to host me. I will get an apartment. I will get a hotel. I will get something. And this person has lived with me for three years. Knows the kind of person I am. I don't like to impose on anybody. Mm-hmm. And your first response to me is, you can't host me. I say, look, do you really think me telling you this is because I want you to host me? All the times that I've sent you the message, have I ever needed you to host me? One and two, that's by the way. And I'm like, look, I just want to catch up. Like, are you available? Yes or no? He was like, oh, you know, um, I have dinner with friends and then my mom is going to be in town that weekend. I was like, okay, here's the thing. We're no longer friends, straight <laughs> up. Because I'm like, here's the pattern. The last five times you did this, the friends that you're going to have dinner with, they're, like, I'm giving you a month heads up before I come to your city, first of all. Those are friends that you will see every weekend that they all live there. And if we are really friends, if you can't do, I'm there for a whole weekend, you can't do Friday night, Saturday night, you say, hey, I can't do Friday because I have dinner and I can't do Saturday because I'm hanging out with my mom. But Sunday at 11 to 1 p.m., maybe we can meet for brunch. You will propose an alternative. You won't just say, I can't do it, if that makes sense. Like if somebody asks me out and somebody I care about, I'm like, oh, shoot, that time doesn't work for me. Like somebody who asked me out on the day where we've agreed we'll record. And I'll be like, yo, mm-hmm. I actually have booked a recording on that day. But can you do this other day? I'll give you an option. But if you don't give me an option, yeah, you can go home. <laughs> you can stay over there. I'm not, pu- I'm not putting any effort into friendships that don't serve me. The fuck? <laughs> anyway, that's yeah. that on that. But yeah, no. You made me, something you said way earlier made me think too, talking about other people's boundaries. Because I think you do have a really good point about trying to like anticipate what their boundaries might be and like not be like, you know, just trample all over and be like, oh, well, you didn't say I couldn't do mm-hmm. the thing. Like, <laughs> like, and I've gotten better about that, I think, as I've gotten older. And also I think um, like consent being part of more of the mainstream culture is good for things like physical boundaries. Like it didn't occur to me until a lot later in life, like a hug is a lot of physical contact. Yeah. Like it is a significant amount of physical contact and like, I'm fine with it almost always, but like, I completely understand why someone would not want to be like, let me press my entire body against and be encircled by someone I literally just met. So like, that's a reasonable boundary that uh, more people than I would have expected have. So I'm usually like, like, oh, do you hug? Really easy to check. Of course, then if you don't say anything and then I hug you and then you're weirded out, like, I've done what I can. I've tried mm-hmm. to communicate. But oh, like, right. yeah. but like, there are things now where I can like anticipate more of people's boundaries and like more proactively communicate with them about it. With the hug thing though, oh. I feel like it's more commonplace in my in Nigerian culture, hugs are not that common. Well, at least when I grew mm. up there, they weren't. And American culture is more forgiving for that. But I do understand, like I always ask, because when you meet somebody for the first time, I think because they're thinking of, in a very similar thing of what you've just said, they're like, oh, is it okay to hug? So they'll, they'll kind of do this thing where they'll stretch their arms out, but then they'll kind of like go for a handshake because they're not sure which is okay. <laughs> and I'm just like, yo, hugs over handshakes, bring it in. Like, do you, can I give you a hug? And then if, they're just like, okay, fine. That way, like, whatever apprehension they had in their mind, the fact that I asked throws it out the window. So it's a quick hug. Very mm-hmm. nice to meet you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Especially if they're good friends of somebody who is my good friend. I'm not going to treat them like a, a business meeting with a strong handshake. It's lovely to meet <laughs> you. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's kind of like yeah. you, you came with my really good friend and I just gave my really good friend a hug. <laughs> Do you know how awkward it would be for me to turn around and give you a handshake just because, like, and you are their good friend. You see what I mean? Like, so I'll just ask, are you okay with hugs? And then if they say yes, I'm like, okay, fine. Which is why when I, hmm, let me put it this way. I think it's very important. This Personal hygiene plays into everything, right? Now, I know my fragrance is strong. And if I hug anybody, they'll have a headache for hours after I've hugged them. But, <laughs> but my thing is, if I, if I, I have to feel comfortable with my own personal self first. Like, I know I don't smell like I've been running a marathon. I know I don't. I'm comfortable enough to give you a hug and know that you won't be grossed out by me giving you a hug because I smell hopefully pleasant enough. Does that make sense? Like if I've been running a marathon and somebody says, bring it in, I'm like, I'm like, fuck off. Like, don't touch me. I smell gross right now. It's embarrassing. That kind of thing. But anyway, and also if, if I go out to someone and you know, they've been running a marathon, I'm going to give them a hug and they're like, oh, don't touch me. I've been running. I'm like, I've known you for fucking 10 years. I've smelt you before. It's perfectly fine. I'm still going to give you a hug. That way they don't feel self-conscious about it, if that makes sense. But there are, there are ways around this, I feel like. But yeah, 
some of these are yeah. tricky. Yeah. I mean, I think all boundaries, like both from like setting and enforcing boundaries and in like respecting other people's boundaries, like takes a lot of emotional intelligence, mm-hmm. which many, many a person lacks. The more you trust someone, the less there's a need to enforce boundaries. Because you know yeah. what the intention and their motives are never to make your life more difficult or hurt or anything. So even if they do something that's bad, mm-hmm. you just let them know, oh, I know you didn't mean it this way, but this is how it came out. But it's mm-hmm. not that you're actually enforcing a boundary or something. It's just, you know, they didn't mean it in a way that would have crossed that, if that makes sense. Anyway, mm-hmm. I guess there's a good follow-up question. Why is it so difficult to set and enforce boundaries? Oof. Oof. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man, for a variety of reasons. I mean, where do you Actually, start? you know what? I don't think it's, it's very deep. I think a lot of the way children are reared, especially in Western culture, it's just not taught. Like, if that makes sense, like, everybody's taught to be yeah. so likable. I think you've distilled it down to a lot of the essence of it. Yeah, it's like, you do have to get over a personal feeling that, oh, if I set boundaries and enforce them, then no one's going to like me, or I'm a bad person, or this is unreasonable. And even once you get over that and start doing it, you have to deal with the reality that some people will, because they haven't done that unlearning, will be like, oh, this person is unreasonable or unlikable or and like you have to just stick with them through that, through like people's negative reactions to your boundaries. But you you set them theoretically because they're important to you. So like it's but it's hard. It's hard to especially in situations where the stakes for being likable are really high. Mm. Like if it's just like a random person who it's like, ah, oh, it's an acquaintance, maybe we'll be friends, and if they don't end up liking me, whatever. But like in a professional setting, like not being likable can be a big thing. Like like there's a lot of um gendered stuff that plays into boundaries like women are very much socialized to be like you must be likable like you have to be accommodating and like sometimes the stakes there are really like if you're in a situation where like sometimes if you're not likable and accommodating to a guy like literal violence can be the consequence like it, it runs the gamut but even in the lower stakes things it's hard to deal with it's hard to say no it's hard to like confront people and i find like at least for me i have an easier time sticking up for other people than i do for myself Like, it also comes from a place of, like, self-confidence that I'm working on in myself of, like, no, you deserve to be able to turn your work phone off. Like, no, you deserve to be treated kindly. And, like, it's okay to push back if someone doesn't, like. Just how women are socialized. If somebody makes a joke at work that I don't find funny, I just don't laugh. Mm -hmm. But every woman who's in that room will at least, even if they don't find it funny, they'll acknowledge it and be like, ha, that's funny. Or clever. Mm -hmm. Like, they feel the need to at least acknowledge it. I'm like, I'm not even going to acknowledge it. I don't think it's funny. Mm -hmm. But just because they're yeah. socialized, they always have to, like, give a response or an acknowledgement to something that was said. Like, there's no mm-hmm. reason to. Just don't say anything back. Don't, don't respond to it. Don't acknowledge it. What's going to happen? Let them talk to a void. Who cares? Oh, man. This is only sort of related, but now I have to say it. I was in... <laughs> because, like, that—that that is a, a type of boundary. Like, you can't keep people from telling, like, that. Like, I'm thinking now of, like, inappropriate workplace behavior. But, like, you can't stop people from making those kinds of jokes. But you can, like, say, like, I won't laugh at them or acknowledge them as a boundary. I'm, I, this is only vaguely related. I just like haven't raged about it yet, which is, well, slash there's a good part to it. I was in a meeting. So like my office gives funding to a lot of like a lot of scientists. And as like with part of our funding, we're trying to figure out like, how can we make it so that the people we fund are doing work that is like contributing to more diverse people in science, more inclusion and like more like, how can we like take an active part in that with people who like, we're giving you funding. So you have to do it. We're in this meeting talking about strategies and this old white man is like, well, you know, I mean, it's good because like, there's no more just outright, like obvious discrimination in workplaces anymore. Like there's definitely like, you know, there's sort of subtle stuff and like people don't realize they're doing stuff, but there's no more like outright discrimination anymore. I almost had to turn off my camera. I was like, what are what you is he saying? He's like, he, he just thinks that nobody does anything blatant anymore. When he said that, I looked at you like... I know. <laughs> what? You looked at me like I looked at him. I was like... But the nice thing was the, the person who's actually his boss, who is also an older white man, but to his credit, this other older white man was like, actually, that's not true. Like, I've seen it happen myself. My wife has a lot of examples as a woman in the workplace where she's experienced blatant discrimination. So, like, that's actually not true. And then just kept moving on. But it was like, it was mind blowing that someone would say something so ignorant. But it was also nice. Like, oh, thank you, person who is actually in a position of power for shutting that down. <laughs> Even if my spirit wants to, my face doesn't fall in line. <laughs> if you say something, my face will, will t- every time I'm in a meeting, I have to wear a mask. At least half my face can be hidden. 
because some people will just yeah. say some wild shit, especially in a meeting that has to do with science. And somebody will just say something that is just completely left field. And I'll just look at them like, have you lost your mind? Also, there are people, yeah. oh God, there's always that coworker. They've learned that the rules to being in corporate America and being successful in corporate America is to be as visible as possible, mm -hmm. to take as much credit for everything as you possibly can and take as many leadership opportunities as you possibly can. I don't operate that way. I know that that would probably be the fastest way to climb any ladder, but I'm just like, I don't believe in that, yo, because you will just wind yourself up for no fucking reason. There's somebody I work with who does that. And we were sitting in a meeting one day and there is a specific instrument that I use. It's part of my work and I've used it for, call it a long time. And they were talking about something that needs to be done that features use of this equipment. And it was pertaining to my project. They're like, oh, you know, you know how to use the equipment. And this person just, and I didn't answer because I was just like, I've learned do not admit to anything in an open forum because as soon as you admit to it, you've just hold yourself into something that you probably don't want to hold yourself into. So I'm just, I just don't respond. I sit there. I let them make all the decisions. And if I have anything to say, I say it. This girl was like, oh yeah, you know, I can train you on it. I looked at this girl like, my face already gave it away. And then I had to fix my mouth and be like, oh, that would be lovely. I was like, bitch, you know, you and I know fucking well that the past fucking five months has been me optimizing my process on this equipment. I know how to use the fucking equipment. The fuck? She's like, oh, I can train you. I was like, I know you're doing this visibility bullshit so you can seem like, girl, shut the fuck up. Just shut the fuck up. Anyway, but my face will tell right away if I'm with it or not. And I try very much to like then say the right thing. But everybody already knows that I don't give a fuck. It's already on my face. Yeah. It's very hard. It's really hard. Because actually, that's another thing that I wish I could be is fake. I don't know if that makes sense. There are a lot of people who can be very fake. Yeah. I think it's just part of American culture. Like if you ask them something as simple as, oh, you went out to get lunch and you got lunch from this place. I've heard of the name of the place, but I've never eaten there. And I just want to know, hey, what did you order? You ordered this. Is it good? I never ask, how is it? Because that's always vague. Is it good? And then they start with, oh, you know. And I'm like, oh, it's bad, isn't it? Because <laughs> like, I hate that. Oh, oh, you know, if you really like, there could be a reason for, there's this, uh-uh. It's a simple question. Is it good? It's a yes or no answer. If it were good and you agreed that it were good, your answer would be yes. When you start to qualify and do that fake nonsense, I'm like, then it's not good. Don't fucking tell me. Like, I asked a very direct, simple question. So in the same vein, if somebody asks me something, I'm like, now I'm trying to be fake to some lady asked me something this today and I was like, it's a little bland, but that doesn't mean it's bad. I knew it was bad. I knew it was bad. And I had to be like, but if you like bland though, it's for you. <laughs> See, I'm that person, but I'm just, I'm an overthinker. I can't, I. <laughs> it is what it is. Like, you, and I think it serves you better if you live in this country. You can't just, if you ask a Nigerian person if something is good or not, you don't have to finish the sentence. Is it? They're like, it's bad. But don't do it. They won't even like try to. They, and, and if you go for it and ask them why is it bad, they'll tell you all the reasons why it's bad. In fact, they will give you 20. You wanted two reasons, they'll give you 20. And that's the kind of. I, I do respect people like that, though, where, you know, if they come out swinging off the rim, they're willing to eat whatever consequences they're going to get for swinging off the rim. They do it with their full chest. Is it bad? Yeah, it's bad. <laughs> don't do it. Has your ability or desire to set boundaries changed as you've gotten older? Yes, both. I think my ability and desire to set boundaries have gotten stronger as I've gotten older. I don't, maybe the reason is because I realize how fleeting time is and I really just don't want to spend time or effort doing things that I really don't care about. But also, I know what it's like to have your boundaries just rolled over. Like, it doesn't feel really good. You just end up in spaces and places that you never want to go back to. So I'm like, it's also part of this thing where you feel as though you've reached a point in your life where you're now responsible and accountable for the time that you spend doing stuff. So now that I'm responsible, I have to take charge of my life. So I just have to set boundaries. Because when you're a kid, somebody else is probably responsible for everything. They, whatever decisions that you make, even though the accountability could eventually fall back on you, you feel as though they're the decision maker. So you kind of sit back and let them make the decisions. And whatever decisions they make could end up upending your whole life, which in my case, it has a few times. And I've just realized that, wait a minute, nobody can make a better decision as to my life than, as, than I can. No matter how well-meaning they are, it's just not possible. The consequence of me enforcing a boundary in terms of just relationships with people the worst case scenario is I lose that relationship. Mm -hmm. The number of friends that I've lost because I've set boundaries and enforced them, those friends can rot in hell. It's very simple. Because mm -hmm. it's, it's, it's a very practical thing. Are they paying my bills? Are they going to yeah. eat the consequence of me not enforcing this boundary? The answer is no on both counts. Yeah, they can go. How to set and enforce boundaries and feeling like it's something I should and can do has taken a lot of work. 
mm-hmm. a lot, a lot, a lot of work. Like, I, I, I keep getting memes that are like, in my villain era, parentheses, Mm-mm. setting and enforcing <laughs> healthy boundaries. And like, it really feels like that sometimes. I'm like, like, I will, I will do exactly. I'm like, all right, Christy, you practiced this. Like, you set this boundary and you need, if the situation's come up, you need to enforce it. And I do it. And I'm like, oh God, I'm a bad person. They're going to hate me. I feel terrible. I'm so nervous. <laughs> like, it's, it's getting better every day. A lot of it had to do with like self-confidence. Like I was saying earlier, like being like, look, my, my time is worth a lot. And so it's okay for me to set a boundary to enforce it. And like my, my, like whether I like something matters a lot, even if it's inconvenient for you, like I deserve consideration and it's okay if what I need might not be the most convenient thing for someone else. Like that's okay. But it's also a place of like safety and like security. Like you were talking about like bills and stuff. Like, like when I came out to my parents as bisexual, which didn't happen until I was 30, I was at a place in my life where I could enforce a boundary of like, I didn't come out to them without being like, I might lose my relationship with them over this. And I'm okay with that. Because if they're not going to treat me the way I need to be treated after learning that I'm queer, then I'm not going to have them in my life anymore. And like, I was prepared to enforce that boundary. And I was in a financial and social position where I could, like when I was in college, and they were paying for part of my tuition, I was not. (laughs) Speaking of trauma. I was outed before I became an independent person, mm-hmm. right? And I think I've told the story in the podcast already. But the decisions that were made to either A, rectify, which is not really the case, more like B, penalize, me mm-hmm. being a queer person really, till today, made things very different. And to put it plainly, way more difficult. Mm-hmm. And I just had to eat it on the front end because I could not enforce any boundaries. Mm-hmm. I just had to go along with whatever decision was made, even though I knew it was absolutely going to fucking hurt like a bitch. Mm-hmm. And I just, I just had to move in that direction and just eat all of that. And when eventually it became the point where, which is, that was one of the biggest pushes that I had as a teenager. Oh, I said, I will die on the hill of becoming independent, mm-hmm. even if it kills me. Only because I realized how easy it was for other people to make decisions on my behalf. Only because they provided me housing and food like it to me yeah. that just <sighs> a whole bunch of trauma over there but i i realized that okay you know what if i take away whatever power they have over me then i can enforce more boundaries mm-hmm. it was just that simple so when i eventually ran that race as fast as i could to become as independent as possible it was just a matter of okay now i'm going to enforce those boundaries and i have to do them so strongly that you can't be wishy-washy with it because the next wrong decision they make maybe the one that they made 20 years ago will cost you 15 years of harder work than it should have. If they make another one right now, it'll cost you 50 years. Easy. Mm-hmm. Imagine if, say, for instance, you know, as a queer person, my, which is not like their success anyway, but <laughs> if I had to, for my version of happiness, clear it, all the decisions I make to be happy in any area of my life, if I had to clear that shit with my family and my parents, I would die in misery because they will say no to any choice that would have made me happy only because of mm-hmm. their beliefs or what they think it means or, you know, that kind of thing. So I was like, no, no, mm-hmm. we, we have to just, and my boundary is I'm not asking you for shit, your input over here. If you say anything that I don't like, I will leave and I will not come back. And I'm able to leave and not come back because you're not paying my bills. There's nothing I need from you. So it's perfectly fine for us to not have a relationship. So now the ball's in your court. If you want to cooperate, you can. And also, Something I did make it one of the boundaries that I have also, I guess it's not even a boundary. It's almost like a, I vowed to never sleep in my parents, any of their homes mm, yeah. ever, even if it's just for one night. Say, for instance, you go over there for uh, Christmas Eve and everybody's having a good time and kicking and it's 1150. I'm like, oh, you know, you could just stay the night. There's several extra rooms. I'm like, no, I'm getting the car and I'm going home. Mm-hmm. And they take that to be the worst thing I could possibly say to them. They're hurt by it. I'm like, no, mm-hmm. this is a boundary and you will live with it. And you don't act brand new. You know exactly why I'm never going to sleep in this house. Mm-hmm. It's that simple. No, and that's that's a way I've had it framed for me that makes me feel better is like people will sometimes get like all offended at boundaries. But like sometimes boundaries are coming from a place of like, I would like to have a relationship with you. In order to do that, this boundary needs to be here. Mm-hmm. If you're not going to respect it, then we can't have a relationship. But me putting down this boundary is not me saying... I don't want a relationship with Like you. I'm taking a jab at you. It's saying... I'd like to continue this relationship and I've just recognized what it takes to do that. Cause yeah, I also have boundaries with my family that are like, Oh no, my, yeah. my boundaries, with my family are sky high. Yeah. And they think that I'm just, you know, the most unreasonable standoffish. I'm like the fact that I even have a relationship with 
any of you is taking the most work out of me. Mm-hmm. And this is what it has to be for th- for us to for me to even I see your dialer on my phone and pick up your call. I this is what it has to be. And mm-hmm. I don't know if eventually those boundaries will get rolled back if the relationship develops to a point where there's enough goodwill. I don't know if it will, but if it never does, I'm okay keeping these boundaries in force forever. Mm-hmm. How have your boundaries or lack thereof affected your relationships? I uh, feel like we already started in on this. But yeah, we did. So many ways, so many ways. It definitely like caused me to be unhappy in some like romantic relationships early on because like I was not getting my needs met, partly because I was not communicating my needs because I needed to set boundaries and expectations that I was not setting, but I also like wasn't advocating for myself. Another thing in graduate school is like I had to report the professor that I was teaching for, for sexual harassment. And I only did it after being like being in a meeting. We were actually, it was like myself and another graduate student in my lab who taught for the same professor. And this other student was male. We were actually talking to our advisor about this guy being shitty for a different reason. But like, and then I was talking, I was like, oh yeah. And he's like, so weirdly like touchy, but like, I guess that's just the way he is. And my male coworker is like, no, he's not that way with me. Like, But I just like allowed that to happen because I was like, I guess that's just the way this person is like and like didn't even like realize how much I was putting up with and how much it was affecting me until someone pointed out that like, no, like he should have like it's a completely reasonable and slash like legal boundary that like he should not have been (laughs) touching you. And like he wasn't like it wasn't like sexual touching, but it was like hand on your shoulder the entire time I'm talking to you or like leaning very, very close to you when I'm talking to you. And like anyway, it, it like caused me to put up with a lot of treatment personally and professionally that like made me uncomfortable and I just had to basically keep doing emotional work to deal with that and like wasn't setting the boundaries to keep it from happening again set myself up for failure in a lot of ways which is not totally my like on me like we talked about like there's there's power dynamics involved in a lot of this but I now I know like what I deserve and what I want and it's been fruitful for my relationships for sure when I tell you when I eventually go to therapy my therapist (laughs) is gonna have they're gonna have to earn their keep because I have intellectualized, that's the right word, intellectualized, whatever. (laughs) I have reasoned all the ways in which my coping mechanisms have developed from trauma, at least many of them. And I know right now, Mm -hmm. I don't embark on relationships where I give up any power. (laughs) So if I embark on a relationship and the other person comes in with so much more power than me, we have to have a discussion. We have to sit down and be like, okay, now let's first acknowledge that there is a power imbalance here. Mm -hmm. And here's what I will and will not accept. I would just prefer mm-hmm. we are equally yoked in whatever power we have, mutually assured destruction, or <laughs> I have the upper hand. I swear to mm-hmm. God, I'm never going to be the person who has less power in any relationship. I can't handle it mm-hmm. because I would have to trust that that person would be kind and considerate enough to me. Mm-hmm. And I don't trust that. I just don't. If, on the yeah. flip side, if I have more power than somebody else, I, I will go out of my way to make sure I'm considerate, especially because I know there's a power imbalance. And I will literally make it like say, hey. You, I don't want you to be the person to have to make us acknowledge the power imbalance. I will be the one to come out and say, hey, I think there is a power imbalance. And I think it's in my favor. So mm-hmm. you have car blanche. If there's something I do that crosses your boundary, please let me know so we can address it. Especially if, if, if it's a relationship that I care about. Say, for instance, <laughs> if I'm dating somebody or if I meet somebody and it's going to be like a... And that person is like in their 40s, which let me explain something. This has happened recently. Oh, my God. <laughs> Christy, I've blocked and deleted somebody in the last week. <laughs> You know this, I don't even know if you know, but if you know, you know. When somebody, you know how people assume if you are younger than them, that your entire existence is frivolous. Mm-hmm. I hate that. Yeah. Coupled with the fact that I'm a very playful person. I'm kikiing and screaming and, but every, I hate when people assume that because the way you've met me is at a place in a space where I'm yuck, yuck, yucking and having a good time. Mm-hmm. And you think that makes my entire existence frivolous. My drama series mm-hmm. is a heart attack. And that's what I mean about the jabs. This person said something like, because I was, they were asking me what I was up to. And I said, oh, I've been doing spring cleaning. I'm so happy that my closet looks so much better. I've been able to organize X amount of And the person said, oh, send me a picture. And I was like, uh-uh, I'm not sending you a photo. I said, but if you want to see it, you can show up in real time and you can, we can catch up and whatever. And we can, I can show you. And the person was like, I'm not one of your little club friends that you could just invite anytime. You have to plan in advance. One of your little <laughs> I said, excuse me. I said, I'm assuming there is some tone in here that I'm not picking up because it's in text format. But that sounded very pointed. Mm-hmm. And the person was like, oh, you know, it's just a joke based off of like, and I was like, that's the end of that. Block and delete. I'm sorry. Yeah. Because like, I don't, I don't know if like, you can't fix that. And no amount of conversation and um, sit down and talk is, that is not something I can fix. 
And by the way, that's not the first time stuff like that has happened. It's like a recurring thing. And I'm just like, every single time you say it, I tell you, that sounded pointed. I don't like the way that sounded. And it's always, mm-hmm. oh, it's a joke. That means you're not getting it. That means you're not mm-hmm. fucking it. Like, I'm not, like, if it were a joke, you sh- like, there, there are other ways to make that joke where it doesn't feel as though you've categorized my whole life as frivolous. Mm-hmm. Like, my, my little club friends, do you think I hang out in clubs the whole time? And I, there's a, like, yeah. Uh-uh. Uh-uh. Don't do yeah. that. Don't do that. Block and delete. No. That's what I mean when talking about people being kind. And, like, jokes are one of those things that, like, as you build trust with a person, they have more leeway because mm-hmm. you do trust them. But... But yeah, there was a way to say that that was just like, thanks for the invite. I actually, the way my schedule is, I actually need a lot more notice to plan things, but maybe we can plan that later. Or yeah, like, it's like, there's no need to put that jab in there. Like, there's me no asking you to show no up in need. person to see it was a response to you asking me to send a photo to see it. I was just <laughs> saying, hey, if you really want to see that badly, you're always welcome to come over. Yeah. Not a, you get over here right now. <laughs> like, <laughs> The, the whole thing i was just like threw the whole thing away i'm sorry and I, this is, <laughs> i've reached the point where i'm so willing to lose relationships and friendships over stuff like that because if i've done enough work to make it obvious that this thing should not be and it's a boundary and you just don't acknowledge it especially if, if you think there's a kind of power dynamic okay you could be 100 years old you could be 200 times my net worth i don't give a fuck my boundaries have definitely affected my relationships because I'm so quick to lose friendships. <laughs> or the friend that um, I went to India with mm-hmm. who would not even acknowledge any of my... I was so willing to lose. I'm like, I'm getting out of here. Whatever it means for our friendship after I leave here, <laughs> I'll rock it out. Like, Or mm-hmm. the fucking person who I said I had... I told you this story in the podcast last year. The, fucking, the person I went to their house to watch a movie and I said, well, hey, I have to oh. go I have stuff to do and... And then they just laid on top of me and made sure I wouldn't leave. Yeah, that was not good. Oh, my God. Yeah. When I tell you, like, things like that, I'm like, look, I don't, if you're that kind of person, I don't need you around me. Do you have any strategies or tips for setting and enforcing boundaries? Only one, really. Be willing to eat the worst case scenario in terms of consequence of enforcing that. Just be willing to eat that. Mm -hmm. Because as soon as you're able to eat that and you know that you'll be fine after you've eaten that, uh, whatever the consequence is, the enforcing that boundary would just be easy for you. If it's nothing that's too serious and you think there could be a way to fix it by communicating it, do that first. Don't be like me and just start Xing everybody out. Although (laughs) I've completely reasoned why the people that I've cut out, I'm like, there's, what is there to discuss here? You can go. I also think you have to be self-sufficient to some extent to start enforcing boundaries because yeah. a lot of the relationships people have that I've seen are built on codependence. Mm-hmm. And if that relationship is built on codependence, you're going to have a harder time enforcing a boundary. You just will. Cause you're going to mm-hmm. think about all the things that you need from this person and you're going to backtrack and say, well, I don't want to enforce this boundary because I could potentially change the dynamic of this relationship. Like when I am having a hard time, like coming up against like, Oh, I really need to enforce this boundary and I'm having trouble with it. I do like, what's the worst case scenario? And a lot of times my initial reaction to the worst case scenario is like, oh God, then I can't do it. And I make myself sit with that scenario. I'm Mm -hmm. like, no, I know it sounds bad, but like really how bad is it? Like I've had to do this with like friendships that I like realized that like weren't healthy anymore, but like, and and some of these were like longer lasting friendships. And I was like, oh my God, but this person's been my friend that like, we have this whole history. Like I can't, I can't lose this friendship. And it's like, no, actually you can like, and you'll be fine. But yeah, a lot of it is being able to like being self-sufficient, not just like money-wise, time-wise, but like emotionally self-sufficient to like be able to weather consequences of like losing a friendship. That was a lot for me. It was like building up the internal like self-confidence and like self sort of regulating mechanisms to be like, I deserve a certain like level of treatment or like expectations. If that's not happening and I need to enforce a boundary, then like I'm equipped to deal with the consequences. Like, Mm, right. Because I definitely have been in codependent relationships where like, losing the like validation or affection or something of the other person would have more negative consequences on me than enforcing the boundary, which is like, which is not good. Like that sort of setup is not good. Like I I needed to have like my own internal validation so that that relationship could be healthy. That's why I don't have those kinds of friendships. If I feel like I can't live without you, you have to go. Yeah. (laughs) You have to go. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I'm not waiting for the day where you leave and I fall apart. Uh Uh-uh. As soon as I realize Mm -hmm. that we have to, either we address it, or you have to go. One of those two has to happen. Yep. Most likely you have to go. I will yeah. also say though, don't like, this is horrible advice, but sometimes if you don't <laughs> feel as though, like sometimes you feel as though enforcing the boundary is a lot of heavy lifting and there's a whole lot of like pushback that you're going to receive. 
just go ahead and ghost them. Just yeah. go ahead and ghost them. Like, ghost them for as long as you need to, like, be comfortable <laughs> with enforcing that boundary the way you know it's going to stick. Ghost them. Go ahead. <laughs> go ahead. I'm giving you permission. Ghost the people you feel <laughs> as though you're not strong enough to enforce boundaries with. Ghost them. And then you realize the time that you spent away from them will kind of give you some perspective and understanding that, hey, you've been away from this person for quite some time. So if enforcing the boundary would equal you losing that friendship, you've done a few months without this person around and you were fine, right? Yeah. Then go ahead and enforce the boundary. Kill the entire relationship altogether. <laughs> Follow all these rules and you will be a hermit like me. <laughs> <laughs> like if a boundary is pretty easy to enforce... Or, like, you don't necessarily need to say it, but it would be good to. Like, practicing being like, hey, that's a boundary for me is really helpful for when you have to do it in a hard way. Mm, yeah. Sometimes people people in romantic relationships sometimes kill me. Mm -hmm. I really wouldn't know, personally, from personal experience. <laughs> but sometimes people really think that a breakup is the most devastating thing that could come of it mm -hmm. if they enforce a specific boundary. And I'm like, if that's the case, you were due for a breakup anyway. Mm -hmm. If you feel as though... Enforcing a, boundary, uh, enforcing a boundary equals to a breakup, you're, you're, you're half past breakup already. Just go ahead and cut mm -hmm. it off. Yeah, I feel like yeah. you, if, if you have any kind of relationship that you don't feel comfortable expressing and enforcing your boundaries, that relationship can't survive anyway. Especially with long relationships, people like perceive it as some kind of moral failure if your long-term relationship ends, when a lot of times it was like the best, healthiest decision for everyone involved to mm -hmm. not be in that relationship. And like, it really should be celebrated. But people like, uh, honestly, setting... Boundaries is like, you just need some like, don't give a fuckness. Because like, a lot of times people will make assumptions about you and you have to be like, yep, they're going to. Fuck them. <laughs> I gotta do what I need to do for me. Yeah, I, I, honestly, sometimes it feels like I'm just preaching everybody just tell your friends to fuck off, tell your partners to fuck <laughs> off, and just tell everybody to fuck off. But I know for a fact, this is what I've, I've said. When I got to this country, I noticed that a lot of the relationships people have here are not genuine. They're either codependent or dysfunctional in some way or it's a function of like a vestige of what used to be and it no longer serves them mm -hmm. so that concludes our episode on boundaries thank you so much for joining us you can find us on twitter instagram and tiktok at big empty purse tweet us message us let us know what topics you'd like to hear us cover in the future next time we'll be talking about something near and dear to our hearts existential dread <laughs> until then good luck <laughs>